Well, good morning, everybody. I'm wondering if uh, Barry and Betty Smith are here this morning. And if they are, could you just come up now? Um, right now, that would be great if you're here, Barry and Betty. And if you could just locate this in your news sheet. It's just a, a, um, a little handout that said Habits That Count in 2006. If you don't have a pencil, it would be great just to put your hand right up high and we'll try and see if we can get some to you. That would be great. Um, thank you guys up the back, you champions. And if you could just have that in front of you because we're going to be looking at that together and filling things out. Well, I wonder if I could just have that microphone too. Thank you. G'day, Barry and Betty. It's good to see you guys. Now we've enjoyed. literally builders for God, going out and building places and, and uh, meeting with the people, having fellowship and helping God's work advance through the things that you make. That's great. Can we pray for you um, before you go? Why don't we pray for Barry and Betty as they head out again with MMM this year. God, we want to thank you for Barry and for Betty and just for their willingness to say, yes, yes, Lord. Uh, we'll serve you uh, however we can. Uh, we're available. God, as they set out again for this year, we pray you would bless their ministry. God, we pray that as they build things, they would be built well. God, that the fellowship they had would be a blessing to those that they meet. And God, that your kingdom would be advanced through their work. Keep them healthy, keep them fit, keep them spiritually strong as they serve you, we pray. And Lord, bless them as we continue to pray for them here. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great year serving God. Let's give them a round of applause. I just want to share with you how excited I am. Um, it's just fantastic when I talk with people and uh, meet you. Some people have been through the office or we've caught each other somewhere out in the street and you've said, oh, it's just been great, you know, learning these habits. And that just thrills my heart because uh, if you will get a grip of some of these habits, incredible things start to happen. Instead of being uh, led by the words that I say here on Sunday morning, uh, the, you start to read your Bible and God is starting to feed you every day of the week. Instead of coming and only praying when we're here together, you're praying to God every day of the week and continually uh, speaking to him. So if you haven't been doing these habits, what happens is you're very dependent 
on me and on the worship leaders and on one another and people in your small group. But what will be happening is if, as you've been doing these habits and spiritual exercises, you'll be becoming uh, led each day by the living God. And that just gets me so excited. So I'm excited as we come to our third habit this morning because, uh, again, this is another opportunity for you to grow. That doesn't mean you don't need your pastor, by the way. (laughs) It just means I'll be adding to what's happening in your life every day as God is speaking to you and leading uh, you. Uh, We've looked at um, 2 Corinthians 8 and 1 to 9 this morning. And uh, we're looking now at the third habit, which is the habit of spending time giving. And um, we've been talking about these four indispensable habits. And you remember the first one was reading God's word, getting a grip on it. The second one was uh, spending time talking with God, prayer. And today we're going to be talking about giving. Now, the reason we're just focusing on these four is because perhaps they're the most important habits that you can have. If you're on a desert island and all you had was uh, you could only ask for three, four things. These habits, if you did them, they will grow. Read your Bible, you'll grow. Praying with God, giving and having fellowship with other people. That, that will help you grow no matter where you are. So the Bible is a book that's all about giving. Right through it, it talks about giving. Uh, the Bible talks about giving more than it does about either heaven or hell. Uh, Jesus talked more about giving than almost any other subject. He, he talked uh, about it through his parables. Do you know, almost uh, well, over half of his parables related to money. They were to do with money. Uh, there are promises in the Bible, that more promises in the Bible about giving than there are related to any other subject. Um, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, set aside some of what you've earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Now, that, it says there on the first day of every week in 1, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, Does that sound like a habit to you? Yeah, regularly, on the first day of every week, be someone who would be giving. So uh, I wonder this morning as we look, just to put it into perspective, I think it's clear that the Bible places great importance on giving. Have a look at some of the different words and how much they appear in the Bible, the word. The word believe appears 272 times in the Bible. The word pray is 371 times. That's how many times you'll find that in the Bible. The word love is used 714 times in the Bible. And the word give is used 2,152 times. God is a giver and he wants you and I to become like him. He wants us to become givers, people that are giving and giving generously uh, or, or, or regularly in our lives. Now, um, I had a friend when I was growing up. I, when, when I was just young, my older brother and younger sister, there was a man that was much older. He's about 25, between 25 and 30. And his name was Philip Harmon. And he would just pop up at the most uh, appropriate times. If it was my birthday, he would just pop up unannounced with a present. And it would happen for my sister and for my brother. He just—he was a single man, and he almost became like our uncle, you know, Uncle Phil. 
and he would turn up all, all, all the time. And I remember one time particularly, he came, he always had exciting gifts, but he had one time a box that was about this high and about this wide. And uh, it was my birthday present and he just put it down there with a big smile on his face and all the family all gathered around and we, I sort of opened it up and I uh, looked in and there was just all these rolled up bits of scrunched up newspaper. And so I started pulling them out and I thought, I've seen this before, I know what happens, there's a present you know, down at the bottom of it all. So I kept pulling up and I was getting all excited and I ended up getting every little bit of paper out and there was no present there. I thought, Phil, this is the cruelest trick you can ever play on me. And he picked up the box and flipped it over. And he said, you better start opening it from this side. And what he'd done is he'd put a fake bottom in the thing <laughs> and the present was underneath. And we roared as I pulled it. I can't even remember what the present was, but I got so much joy in opening that present from Phil Harmon. I think Phil Harmon, if you were to talk to me about Phil, I would say he excelled in giving. You know, he didn't just give a present to me, here you go, happy birthday. He was creative, he was generous, he was thoughtful and I think you'd say to, about Phil Harmon, hey you've excelled in giving. Uh, I, this, this morning I just want to spend a little time as we start talking about the habit of giving to talk about some attitudes that you can have that can help you excel in giving. Because look what it says in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 7 it says Paul says to the church in Corinth since you excel in so many ways you have so much faith such gifted speakers such knowledge such enthusiasm and such love for us now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving Paul says to them hey church in Corinth excel in giving excel in giving. Now, I looked at this uh, word excel in the dictionary and it means to do better than others. You know, it's kind of like a, uh, it, it speaks of comparison, this word. You know, if you are excelling, you have to be doing better than ordinary. You know, you have to be doing extraordinary to excel. So just doing the same as everybody is not excelling. You have to do better. And so uh, the, the word has, a, has a, a sense of it being very good at what you're doing. So Paul says to them, hey, you in Corinth, I want you to excel in giving. Now, let me just um, put a bit of a context to this. You'll remember that Paul uh, was a Jew and he grew up um, so well schooled, he was well trained in the law. He, he was uh, trained by the best rabbis of his time and he was a Pharisee. He, he knew all of God's laws and he knew how to live them and he was doing the best that he could in that way. And then when Jesus came and he said, I'm the Messiah, Paul saw this new little group as a sect that was coming out and he set about to persecute those Christians. He set about to organise that they would be captured and that they would put in prison and he was being zealous in doing that. Now one day he was on the road to Damascus going to try and get the people there of the, this new group called the Way that were the, the, the early Christians and he was on his way when a bright light came and from the, the, the light he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, because that was his name before his name became Paul. Uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says that at that point when he heard that the light 
Uh, he was, the, the voice said, you know, I've called you to go to the Gentiles. Now, that was going to be his ministry. Now, this was unheard of because the Jews uh, felt that they were the right one. They were the chosen one. And many of the Jews rejected the fact that Jesus had come and was their Messiah. Uh, he, 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 they rejected the gospel. And many people were saying, well, um, we've got to keep working and slaving away at sharing the gospel to the Jewish people. But Paul uh, began to, to speak to the, the Gentiles. And this caused a lot of controversy, especially amongst the Jewish churches. And if you look, maybe if we turn together to Galatians chapter 2, because people were getting quite upset about what was happening and the fact that Paul was uh, preaching the gospel to Gentiles. And he says, he goes in at Galatians chapter 2, to the leaders at Jerusalem, and he says at verse 6, And the leaders of the church who were there had nothing to add to what I was preaching. They said his preaching was, was okay. They were checking out his preaching. By the way, their reputation as leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favourites. They saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the good news to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter for the benefit of the Jews worked through me for the benefit of the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognised the gift God had given me and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles, keep preaching to the Gentiles, while they continued their work with the Jews. The only thing they suggested, Paul says, was that we remember to help the poor. And I've certainly been eager to do that. So they said, look, you can keep preaching to the Gentiles, keep spending time talking to them, but the one thing you've got to do is remember those poor. Now, who were the poor that he was talking about? Well, you know, the church in Jerusalem, there were just a, the Christians there were, were poor and they were facing hardships. And while uh, many of the Gentiles were quite wealthy and some of them that were coming to know Jesus had a lot of wealth as well. So Paul had said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around to all the churches, the Gentile churches, and encourage them to give and to be generous so that our uh, Jewish churches, that those that are poorer, would benefit from their giving. Still with me, everybody? Got it? Good. Just wave your hand if you're still with me. Good. Great. That's good. Now, we're up to here, and then we come back here to, to see. So Paul has been trying to gather momentum that they would give an offering. And if you see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, let's turn over to there. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 1 to 2, we see Paul actually not neglecting the poor. Listen to what he says there. Now, about the money being collected for the Christians in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedures I gave the churches in Galatia. On every Lord's Day, each of you should uh, put aside some amount of money in relation to what you have earned and saved it for this offering. Don't wait until they, I get there and then try to collect it all at once. So he says, start collecting offerings every week and then when I come, I will take the things you've given and I'll go and give them on as a generous offering to the poor, uh, poor Christians, the Jerusalem church, for the Christians in Jerusalem. So as he comes, Paul comes in 2 Corinthians 5, 
uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and this is the context that he's coming to talk to them. And he's coming to talk to them about how they can excel in giving at this time. And he says to them, um, there's a few ways that you can excel in giving. He, he says, give joyfully. And if you're following on your outline that I've given you, that's the first point, um, to give joyfully to God. And you see there in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, Paul writes, though they have been through much trouble and hard times, and he's talking about the Macedonian church where he's writing this letter from. He's been with the Macedonian church and he's describing the way that they have given to help the Jerusalem uh, church. He says, though they've been through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflown in rich generosity. The church in Macedonia had been uh, not a wealthy church and yet here we see that they at this point have been responding with their wonderful joy and giving joyfully in the midst of their hard times and their troubles. So they gave joyfully. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. It says, For God loves the person who gives cheerfully. I once, saw, uh, I once heard that there was a bumper sticker that read, God loveth a cheerful giver, but he also accepts from a grouch. <laughs> you know, the, the Greek word for cheerful is the word we get from hilarious. It comes from that. In the New Testament church, when they gave, it was to be with joy. It was a hilarious event. Uh, in most churches... The giving's not the most funniest time in the service, is it? <laughs> in fact, sometimes it's the hardest time to, to be giving. And yet, uh, this is what it is, cheerful. God loves a cheerful, a hilarious giver. Um, it's a challenge for us to give joyfully as we get into the habit of giving. Uh, you don't get credit from God for not giving cheerfully. You know, he wants a cheerful givers. And if you can't give cheerfully, God is saying, check that attitude. There's an attitude problem there because I want you to be a, a joyful giver. Um, you might say, how can I give joyfully when there's so many bills to pay? Well, you've got to remind yourself uh, when there is about the promises that God has in his word. For those to give and we're going to be looking at those just a, briefly in a few minutes some of the reasons for why we can give remind yourself of the benefits of giving to god um, it's so good to give even when it's tough and this church were facing hardships and troubles and they still gave and secondly paul says in this chapter give generously to god he says give generously to god in the same verse he says though they have been through many troubles and hard times their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflown in rich generosity so they didn't just give uh, a little amount but they gave more um, it continues on in, in this in this verse after verse 2 in verse 3 you can see it there it says for i can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. You know, they didn't just give what was expected. They gave over and above what was expected. They gave generously, this church, the Macedonian church, out of their poverty and out of their t tough times. Um, people, uh, this is an incredible principle for, for giving. 
It says, what if I can't afford it this time? What if I can't afford it? Well, the answer that I would give is that you can't afford not to give. Uh, it, it, it's just not, uh, it's not wise to say, God, I'm not going to give because I'm not going to trust you with my money. And if you've called me to give, I want to give to you. You can't afford not to. Uh, God wants to, to bless uh, your finances and to be responsible. If you give them over to him, he'll take care of you. The, the third thing uh, that we see in this little passage is God says that we're to give, Paul says we're to give ourselves to God first. This is what the Macedonian church, this was the secret to their giving. They actually first of all gave themselves to God before they gave. Now the truth is that if you don't know God, how can you give to him thankfully and with a joyful heart? Because you haven't received the blessing of what he has done for us. So, so Paul says the secret to the Macedonian church and their rich generosity was they gave themselves first of all to God. What an incredible church they were. What an in, incredible church uh, they were. They gave themselves to God. If he owns me, he's going to own my wallet. If he doesn't own my heart, then he doesn't own my wallet. If I give myself completely to God, then he owns everything. The real issue is who owns you? And for them, they knew first up that God owned them. And then Paul goes on in this passage to say, not only that, give freely to God. Uh, they begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift of the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes. Uh, he, here we see that they actually they, they gave beyond um, the, the highest hopes that Paul had. Um, one of the things here, they gave freely too. They did it of their own free will. Right, right before this, in verse 3, it says, they did this out of their own free will. They were freely giving. No one was forcing them. No one was compelling them to give. In fact, if you're ever at any event or if you're in a small group or in, you're in someone and you're feeling pressured to give, you know, as your pastor, I just want to tell you, you, don't, you shouldn't have to ever feel pressured to give. Because it says here, don't feel pressured. People shouldn't be forcing you to give and putting pressure on you. So if there's ever anyone saying, we want more, you've got to be giving, what are you doing, what are you doing? I think you could just safely say, well, I'll just wait and think uh, about another time, you know, that I might be. Give not under pressure, but give freely to God. Uh, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Don't give reluctantly or in, re in response to pressure. And these Macedonian church, they, they weren't even expected to be giving that much, but they gave well and far ahead of what they were expected to do. So give generously to God. There's some uh, principles about how we can give. Now, one of the biggest things that we often talk about together is tithing. You'll notice probably just about every service we say, now we're going to take our tithes and offerings. And some of you might think, what on earth is a tithe? I've never even heard of it. Well, we're going to just explain that uh, this morning to you so you can see if you can get into the habit 
of regular tithing. But just before we talk about that, I want to just quickly give you five or so reasons why tithing is a good thing. Uh, Why God wants you and I to tithe. Uh, Firstly, because it makes us more like God, tithing. You know, these aren't written down anywhere, but these are just some things I want to brush over quickly. Um, you know, God is a giver, and if we're going to be like God, when we start giving, we become more and more like him. So the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son, and he gave generously his only son. He didn't withhold him from us. You know, the truth is that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And Christians, we're to be the most giving people in the world. Why? Because we're the most loving people in the world. So we should be those that are giving and generous in that. And it makes us more like God. That's one reason. The second reason, it draws me closer to God. You know, Matthew 6, 21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Do you know, where I put my money really shows what my priorities are in life. If I put my money into my house and all of it goes there, well, that's where my heart is. If I put my money into eating out or food, that's where my heart is. If I put my money into my uh, clothes or into a hobby, it shows where my heart is. The question then becomes, you know, for you and I, where do you want your heart to be? Where do you want your heart to be? And, and so giving uh, draws me closer to God because when I start to give and I give, I'm saying, God, you're my priority. You're the one. I'm drawing closer to you. Now, the third thing about giving, why we should, why God wants us to, to give, is that giving is actually a slap in the face to materialism. Did you know that? We live in such a materialistic world, don't we? Everywhere we look, uh, materialism is, uh, I, I, I want this. Get, get, get. Uh, it's kind of like he who has the most toys wins. It's as though all of us are on earth just to get as much as we can by the time that we come to die. And when you start to give, you're doing the exact opposite of getting. Instead of getting, 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 you're giving it away and it flips what the world is on about on its head when you start to give. Um, the, The way that I can know that I'm having victory over materialism, the way I can do that is that if I'm willing to part with my money. I'm having victory over materialism. It hasn't got a hold of me. Uh, I'm, I'm letting go of it. You know, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17 to 18 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which richly provides us in everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Notice he says here, command those who are rich. You you know, you might be thinking, thank goodness I'm not rich. But the truth is you are. Every single person here today is rich. You know, there are people that would just love to have the kind of bills that we have to pay. I mean, there are people that can't even afford to get any food or, or, or are worried about their next meal and they they can't actually um, afford that. You and I, and I think every person living in Australia by the world standards are rich. Uh, So when we live in Australia, he's talking to us. 
So he's saying everything is given from our enjoyment, it says in that verse. So it's not bad being rich. It's not bad having these things. It's okay to have the blessings and to say, thank you, Lord. You don't need to feel guilty about being wealthy. God has blessed you and that's good. But he says that true living comes not from getting, but from giving. So now that you've received this and that you're uh, rich compared to the rest of the world, don't just hoard it, but give. We're commanded to be generous and willing to share. Uh, the fourthly, it, you know, um, giving blesses me in return. Now, there are so many promises in God's word that can uh, back up these claims, but there are, there are promises regarding, more promises regarding giving than anything else. Here's just a few. Proverbs 22 and verse 9 says, A generous man will himself be blessed. Uh, Proverbs 11:25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Proverbs 11.25 says, Good will come to him who is generous. Uh, Sorry, that's Psalm 112 verse 5. Giving not only blesses me in return, but it also makes me happy, believe it or not. It's funny, isn't it? Giving makes me happy. Jesus said uh, there is more happiness or more blessed to give than to receive. That's Acts 20 and verse 35. We don't really believe that verse, do we? Often it's very hard. You know, if we did, we'd be more interested in giving than we are in receiving. And there are two kinds of people in life. There are the ones that are takers and there are ones that are givers. And the happy people in life are not the takers. The happiest people in life are not the ones that are always saying, I want more, I want more. The happiest people in life are the ones that give. Um, No man has ever been honoured for what he's received. He's honoured for what he gives away. What you give away, you'll be remembered for. Um, there's uh, many psychiatrists say that um, giving is one of the key criteria for mental health. Generous people are rarely uh, mentally ill. The more healthy you are, the more unafraid you are to give away. The more you hold on to things, the more you're afraid to give away. And that's an indication that there's fear in your life if you're just grabbing hold of everything. So now, there are some of the reasons why it's great to to tithe. But what what does the Bible actually teach about tithing, the habit of tithing? What does it teach? And we want to look at that today, and if you flip over the other side of your handout, that's where we're on now, and we can just work through that in the time that we have remaining. So what is tithing? Uh, Tithing means um, it's a tenth part so the truth is, um, it's just a word that simply means uh, a t- tenth, a tenth part. It's right through the scriptures. And in the Bible, it tells us to give the first 10% of all that we give, all that we earn back to God. Uh, giving less than 10% is not tithing, because tithing means 10. Giving uh, more than 10% is not tithing either. Tithing means 10 So tithing is giving 10% of my income. What's the difference between a tithe and an offering? Well, a tithe is giving 10% of my income. An offering is anything I give in addition to my tithe. Okay? Uh, So that's what it is. Why should I tithe? Well, we're just going to look at these reasons. First of all, because God commands it. Now, you can see in your um, handout there, and you can fill that in. First thing, because God commands it. Um, It says 
in Leviticus 27 and verse 30, a tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Um, We could stop right there, couldn't we? Uh, God could have said 90% belongs to me, but he just simply said 10. Simply uh, because he says it, we ought to obey it. But he gives us a lot of other good reasons as well. Uh, Secondly, Jesus commended it. Um, Not only did God command it, but Jesus commended it. In fact, in Matthew 23 and verse 23, he commends the Pharisees. Uh, It's the only thing that Jesus commended the Pharisees for. That was their giving. He he says, the one thing you guys are doing right, everything else is, is just wrong. But in Matthew 23, he says, yes, you you should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. They were tithing, but they were doing, neglecting some other things as well. So they were looking at their tithing and saying, look, aren't I doing things right? But Jesus was saying, yes, but don't. Watch out for those other important things. You can't forget to do those as well. Thirdly, tithing demonstrates that God has first place in my life. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 14 and verse 23 in the Living Bible. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first place in your life. To teach you to put him first, to fear him, to put him as number one in your life. I can say God is first place in my life. I can say that. I can tell you that. Hey, God's first place in my life. But there are really two things that you can do to check whether God is first place really in my life. And one thing is to check my diary and the way I use my time. Like you could say, well, if you say God's first in your life and you're spending all your time and none of the time you're giving to him and spending that in his place, well, whatever you say, the second way is looking at uh, my accounts, my bank book, my check butts, you know, to see where I'm spending and, and where our money's going. You know, you can talk all you like about saying God's first in my life, but the way I spend my time and the way I use my resources shows it. Um, the fourth thing is, so, so that's, a, that's a challenge for us, isn't it? I wonder if you were to die and someone was to come across your uh, bank book and your check account. I wonder if they looked up and they said, this person was such a generous giver. Now, would that be true for you, for, for me? Uh, fourthly, tithing reminds me that everything I own was given to me by God. Um, always, this is what it says in Deuteronomy 8.18. Always remember that the Lord your God, that it is the Lord your God who gives you power to become rich. So every time we tithe, we're reminding ourselves that it's God that gives us all that we have. We're saying, thank you, God, for giving us all that we have. And we thank you for the resources that you've given us, the 100%. As we tithe, we give it away and we say, thank you, God, for all that you've done. Um, If it weren't for you, God, we wouldn't have anything, we say on those times. Uh, Fifthly, tithing expresses my gratitude to God. Um, It says in... Uh, Psalm 116 and verse 12. What can I offer to the Lord for all he has done for me? Well, the answer, we could put in there Deuteronomy 16, 17 and say, all must give 
as they are able, according to the blessings given to them by the Lord. If we're thankful to God, well, we give to show our thankfulness. Thank you, God, for blessing us. It expresses our gratitude when we say, God, you've given to us, we're giving back to you. Sixthly, uh, God says that refusing to tithe is stealing from him. Does it really say that? Uh, well, let's have a look what it says in Malachi 3 and verses 8 to 10. God says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask, how do we rob you? God says, in tithes and offerings, bring your whole tithe to my house. Notice it says not half of a tithe, not a third of a tithe, the whole tithe. The Bible says that when I use my money to pay bills that ought to go on paying for, my, uh, for him, when I, when I pay you know, my gas and other things with my tithe, that I'm actually robbing God, that I'm taking that money from him. I'm paying bills with God's money, what's rightfully God's. He asks me to give to him. You know, seventh, tithing gives God a chance to prove that he exists and wants to bless you. You know, God gives us a chance to really prove him in this when it comes to tithing. This is one of the most amazing promises in the Bible in, in Malachi. It's amazing what he says here because he offers you and I a challenge. He's, he's almost saying, I dare you, Christians, I dare you, church, try this, test me on this. I'm really putting a challenge before you. He, he, he says, start tithing and see what happens. He not only makes a promise uh, to bless you more, but he promises to protect what you already have. Look at this verse. Bring your whole tithe to my storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you won't have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will be protected from plagues. God's saying clearly, test me. It's the only place where God says that. You can prove that I exist, and one way you can prove is to tithe. That's what he's saying. Why? Because why does he choose that area rather than other areas? Well, because, you know, why does he choose finances? All the areas that he's chosen, he focuses in on that. And I think the reason is because we spend so much time revolving our lives around money. We spend time making it, earning it, saving it, giving it, sharing it, spending it, all those kind of things. And God says, I want to have priority in this area. So test me, put that right first and see what's going to happen to you. That's a challenge, isn't it? I like it, God. Uh, tithing 8 proves that I really love God. Um, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. John 14, 15. And it's clearly commanded all the way through the scriptures. You know, some people say, hey, tithing is... Old Testament law, but it's, it's not. If you look in Genesis 14, that's way between, before the, the law was even given to Moses, Abraham tithes 10% of all that he has to God. So you see, it's a principle right from the start of the scriptures and comes right through. And if, if it has changed in the New Testament, the demands are so much more, not less. So it, it, it's a principle that God has. Um, the law was established with Moses and God established tithing even before that. And that was 400 be years before Moses was born. Um, 
it's a life principle. Now, 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 8 and 7b, uh, 7b and 8 says, Now, I want you to excel in this gracious ministry of giving. This is one way to prove that your love is real. So God's saying, this is a way that you can prove that my love is real. Um, I just want to finish just, uh, just with a couple of brief things just to hit with you with, because a lot of people, we don't have much time when we talk about tithing, but I just want to put some things, uh, uh, what should I tithe, people ask. Well, um, the Bible makes it real clear that the first part of what you earn, not the leftovers. How many people have more money uh, just to spare at the end of their pay time? You, know, you don't give God your leftovers. Give him the very first that you have, the, the first fruits. Um, there's a, another bumper sticker that says, tithe if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. So there you go. Have you seen those stickers, honk if you love Jesus? Yeah. Um, so, so put him first. It's harder to do. The Bible says, Proverbs 3, 9, honour the Lord from your wealth and the first of all that you produce. You know, Mandy and I, when we got married, we made a commitment that at the very least we would tithe. Often we've done more than that. But right from the very start, we've committed to tithe and we haven't missed one paycheck. And the moment, reason is because we put it up first. That's the very first thing we do is, is tithe. And, and so it's not that I just think you all should do this. I, I, we, we're committed to doing this together, to put it that first. Uh, why? Because God should get paid first. Before our bills, before our own things, we've got to put him like, uh, we owe everything to God. So we've, got to do it. we've done that year after year in our marriage and I just can't believe the blessing that we've had. We've seen him provide all the time. We haven't always had what we wanted, but we've had everything that we needed when we put him to the test. Early on, it was very hard. Mandy was working for Youth Dimension and people were supporting us out of their own giving, you know, and I was at Bible college, so I was paying out thousands every year to study. And it was very hard, but we made sure that we would, no matter what happened, that we would honour God in this way. Where should I give my tithe? People ask, tithe. Well, this is what it says in Malachi 3.10. Bring your whole tithe into my storehouse, the temple. So in the, uh, it was the place of worship. In the Old Testament, the place of worship was the temple. And in the New Testament, it's called the synagogue or the church. So you're to bring your tithe and offering to the place where you worship. When you um, give to the Red Cross, that's fabulous, but it's not your tithe. When you give to uh, the tsunami or earthquake relief or famine relief, that's fabulous. We all should do those things, but it's not your tithe. That's not tithing. Mandy and I support all kinds of groups outside. You know, we we've sponsored children and uh, we, we, we've support missionaries as well and we give to parachurch organisations, but that's not part of our tithe. Bring the whole tithe in, Micah says in, in 310, uh, chapter 3 and verse 10, to the storehouse, to the temple, and give it there at the place where you worship. So that's it. When should I tithe? Well, as we started off, we looked at um, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, and it says, On the first day of every week, each of you should put aside some amount of money in relation to what you have earned for his offering. So it's on the first day of every week, which turns out to be Sunday. So the one thing I've just said is give it at the place where you worship. Isn't it interesting when they say, well, give it on the first day? What do you do on the first day? Come to your place of worship. 
So give your money as you come to church, uh, the tithe, at the place of worship on, on your Sunday. Just very quickly, want to suggest we've got envelopes to give. They're a great way. We always use envelopes, Mandy and I, because it's got the date on it. You can put it in when you're at home and bring it in your, in your wallet, and it's wonderful. You can also give through FPOST. They have that as well, and that's a good way to just be make sure you're regular and consistent. There's a direct debit form as well. You know, another thing I want to say is, is train your kids in this. You know, we've, we've got Alex uh, and Georgia now. We give them a little bit of pocket money each week, but they've got three separate little... Uh, like jars that they put it in. One is um, savings, one is giving, which is God's, that's that's their tithe, and then the other one is spending. So they can't figure out the tithe yet, but we just put them in there for them, and they know, and right from a very early age, they're going to be learning uh, what tithing's all about. Teach your children uh, that way. Uh, I think we should finish there, but I want to challenge you to give. To, to, to test God in this and to give regularly and generously and become more and more like God as you honour him with your giving. This is a habit that I think if, if we're reading our word, if we're praying to him and if we're giving generously, we're going to be continuing to grow more and more like him in every day. Let's uh, uh, now come to a point where you open up your um, news sheet and pull out your blue cards. That would be great for now. And uh, we'd just love everybody here to fill out their name, address and emails. Uh, no, not emails. You don't have to do that. <laughs> but name, address and uh, your details. And uh, we'd love everyone to do that. If, you, if you're able to do that, that would be great. And there's time for you to respond. We're just going to give you a moment to do that right now. There's things on the back that you can respond to.